show and if i'm gonna start a new show about literally called this crap was on national television i need a filmmaker i need someone who can bring a different point of view and i've got chris bornet from columbus ohio how are you doing chris i'm doing great thanks for having me on Kurt. uh are you, are you sure though that it's a thanks because i sent you something horrible to watch <laughs> well you know it's like one of those like for years it was like fomo what am i missing out on i'd always heard about this but it's now i can say i'm I'm among the initiated. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I can at least say I'm I'm part of the group now who's seen this. Uh, so if, if you don't mind me asking, I have a feeling I might be a little older than you. So like I was, uh, I was six when, no, I would have been five when Star Wars originally came out. I we're don't, almost, we're, we're, we're exactly the same age. Okay. All right. So yeah. like as a, as a little kid, uh, so this would have came out and if people haven't figured out by the title, we're talking about the Star Wars holiday special which was released November 17th, 1978. Uh, so I would have been six. I don't remember this being on at all, but I was six. I don't either, yeah. So I don't think I was even aware of it until well after Return of the Jedi. And actually, I don't think until the internet where some people were talking about it. Because this was a, yeah. this became almost like a like uh, Indiana Jones and uh, the, you know, the, the Holy Grail of all. Yeah. Yeah, because if you didn't record it, and it was 78. Not a lot of people had a Betamax back then. Exactly. You know, it wasn't there. And then I would find little clips here and there. And I think, so I've seen a bit of that, but until I suggested this, I had never seen the full thing. Uh, this is the worst piece of, of television I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I, since we're both products of the 70s, like this mm -hmm. special, I actually think you kind of have to look at it through the lens of the 70s. So uh, this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think it's the worst piece of uh, art, if you can call it that, in the Star Wars canon. I think the prequels are far worse. But, <laughs> but, but, what it, but what, how I would describe the Star Wars holiday special is that it doesn't work. It's too disjointed. They didn't know whether they wanted to do a 70s style variety show with having comedy skits and you know, musical numbers. They didn't know whether they wanted to do an animated special that would appeal towards kids and, you know, fan like preteen fanboys. They didn't know if they wanted to do, uh, you know, like a coming attraction to the next installment of the Star Wars uh, series. So I think it just doesn't work. And if you look at the 70s, um, it was an era when the lines between kids television and adult television was starting to be blurred. Like you look at the Muppet Show, they would have guests guests on the Muppet Show who weren't children's entertainers, or they weren't known for doing children child oriented, you know, play books, movies, whatever, music, whatever. So it was sort of in that era. Then you had like sort of that era of the cavalcade. I call it the cavalcade of stars. Where like I don't know if you ever remember, they used to have those battle of the network stars where they would have stars oh, yeah. from the different TV shows like I doing tug of war, and I'm like. Even as a kid, I was like, why are, why are these famous people do, you know, degrading themselves by doing this? So it was that era when stars would do stuff and you'd be scratching your head, like, why are they doing this? And then also, I think they wanted to shoehorn in like some people who'd been on, C since this was on CBS, they wanted to shoehorn in B. Arthur and um, Harvey Corman from the Carol Burnett show. I'm not sure why Art Carney was there, I guess the Honeymooners, but that was decades before this. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was just a weird product of the 70s. 
It's, it's funny you mentioned Battle of the Network Stars. Uh, I actually just reviewed an episode of that for my classic sports review, where I had oh, a former, wow. yeah, I had a former Olympian uh, actually on that as we were watching the, we were watching that one, and yeah, Debbie Allen was very enamored with a lot of the people that she was talking with on that on, wow. that, on that episode. It was. And they were all enamored back. I guarantee after after the filming of that, there was a lot of sex between the stars. Had to be. <laughs> uh, we might have gotten into a bit of strange Wookiee stuff uh, as we're yeah. sort of looking at looking at what, what is what turned up here. Uh, but the origin came from the way I understood it and all the research that I did. Uh, George Lucas gets pitched the idea of this show, and a lot of it came apparently from. And you mentioned you know when you talk about cavalcade stuff in the seventies. Uh, there's a lot of big variety shows. I personally hate variety shows. I, I think they're yeah. awful entertainment, generally just bad sketch comedy, uh, people lip syncing to their hits. Whoop, I hated it. Hated it as a little yeah. kid. I hate it even more now. But from what I heard, the Donnie and Marie did a sketch with a bunch of people from the cantina. Richard Pryor did something on his show. And okay. so they said, okay, Star Wars makes money. They went to Lucas who had this idea in his head or he had a bunch of ideas and it was about the, I, th I think it just sounded very Canadian, a boot. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you meant though. Yeah, a boot yeah. Uh, about Life Day. Uh, so the original format was focused around this. Somehow it morphed into getting Chewbacca back. I think that George Lucas's original vision would have been crap anyway, but Lucas yeah. barely did anything with it. Uh, yeah, that's what it that's what it seemed like. His involvement was minimal. Yeah. But as you as we have seen from the prequels, I don't know if his involvement would have made this holiday special, quote unquote, any better. I, I uh prob probably not, although Empire and Return of the Jedi are phenomenal. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I honestly think all of this was worse than Jar Jar. So apparently this went through multiple things and it almost sort of fell into the hands of, of two, two of the writers of, of, of the songs. They had some comedy oh, writers. Yeah. Everything fell completely apart. Uh, you knew it was going to be bad. I thought right away in the first five seconds, or the first 20 seconds, uh, which is a cold open. Actually, before the, the cold open, it's you know, Wonder Woman and Incredible Hulk got preempted for this. Right, uh, right. right. Ratings-wise, actually, before I go into this, this did 13 million, which seems like a lot, but for 78, then, it, isn't. it was minuscule. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's not very good. Uh, like, TV ratings are way down for obvious reasons. A, because we can do so much other stuff, watch so much other stuff, right. do so much other stuff, but it didn't actually even win the time slot. Love Boat beat it. Wow. wow. So. That to me is fascinating. So this was not just a failure in terms of what the end result was. This was not a rating success. They put in a million dollars for it, which was the most they ever did. And it sure didn't show. Not, not at all. It looked yeah. very cheap. It looked almost like public access level yeah. production. And it yeah. was right there from the first 20 seconds where it's Han and Chewie. They're flying away in the Millennium Falcon being chased by uh, it was a TIE Fighters or Imperial Cruisers, but it was clearly stuff from the old Star Wars movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just recycled footage, yeah. Yeah, and they weren't in the same, even in the same type of cockpit. So it was some kind of weird set created. So already the production value is complete crap by even yes. a 1978 standard if you saw the film. Yeah. So it's off to a bad start and it gets worse even with the opening crawl. Because uh, they do say, okay, well, we got to get you back to life day. Okay, that's the plot. There have been worse plots that have done well. But then the opening crawl, it, did you notice that even the fonts didn't match? I didn't get quite that granular, but that doesn't, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. The lack of attention to any yeah. kind of detail. Yeah. So like the font of a long time ago wasn't the same and then nothing matched. Then we get yeah. nine minutes of the Wookiee family. Right. I wanted to beat the crap out of that little kid right away, lumpy. <laughs> and here's the worst part. Worst part, I'm gonna say this a lot. So we're gonna flesh out Chewbacca's family. Okay, so he's got a wife that 
you can't be home too much. I mean, his best friend's a is a is a thief. Yeah. So you're out, you're out stealing for eleven. So let's be yeah. honest. These aren't ex- Chewbacca is not exactly a great guy. Right, and they make it seem like he has this conventional, you know, from human standards, uh, home life with a wife and kid, and I guess the father living with them. Now, this apparently was from Lucas. Naming the kid was named Lumpy, and the father was named Itchy. And it was short for like Lumbaca or something like that, right? And well, I don't know. I mean, did they make that yeah. canon afterwards? Right, right. You know, just sort of like come up with something. Like I right. Well, well, obviously it was an obvious play on Chewy. They were trying to yeah. have the audience, you know, mm-hmm. be familiar with the you know kind of name that Chewy has. But it, yeah, it just did not work at all. At all. Uh, I don't. I don't care how decrepit I get in my old age. If someone's calling me itchy, I got a. <laughs> we, we got a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. That's just not going to work. Oh, I forgot. There was sort of like end of the Star Wars special, and it's uh Luke Scott. Uh, they they did all of that. Uh, yeah. Who was in it, and then the the weird cast of characters that you wonder how the hell are they going to fit this in? Which, as you mentioned before, right. we had B. Arthur, uh, Diane Carroll. That was the weirdest thing. Can't wait till we get that. To- that was that was. I found that to be the most problematic, the Diane Carroll segment. But we can get more into that. Yeah, uh, Art Carney, and then a musical performance by the Jefferson Starship. Like, eh? right? Yeah, so on the nose, Jefferson Starship in a Star Wars special. Well, well, hey, they got star in the name. It's it's gotta make yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God damn it! And I'm sure they thought it was gonna be huge, but so we have nine minutes of I guess this perfect home life. Uh, gender roles are very much defined in Kashyyyk. Yes. <laughs> that we she learned that. Wife is yeah cooking. Even has an apron on. Yep. Uh, we revere the elder and then we take care of the kid. Uh, Chewbacca's off doing God knows what, making she, making Mala take care of the kid. So right. you know, I, I don't right. think, you know, maybe Chewbacca's a deadbeat dad. I don't think he's home too much. <laughs> I, I got a feeling that might be the case. So yeah. but it, the dialogue is literally nine minutes of... Right, and no subtitles either. Just you're supposed to you know, guess what's going on from their, their and body just, movements. And it's just boring. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's the biggest sin of it all. This was boring. When I watched this, I, I did it in four segments because I couldn't okay. watch it straight through. I couldn't do it. You know, I was actually the opposite. I was just like so fascinated. I was like, wow, this was actually on network television. One of the yeah. biggest blockbusters of the decade. This is what they came up with for a TV special. Because there, there, was, there was no uh, head cook. Yeah. That was the other interesting thing. I might not be wrong in the name, but they, they got someone after they started filming, a guy named Steve Pinder, to okay. uh, do all the directing for it. Now, he'd done the Elvis 68 comeback special, which okay. I'm not an Elvis guy, but I, I rewatched that special just uh-huh. to put that in context. And man, you could see why Elvis was such a big deal at that, at that point in time and yeah. what he captured with him. He also did the Tammy show, which was 1964, I think one of the first big concert films that was ever done. This guy was just there to take a paycheck. Yeah. Uh, which he more or less said in interviews after. So he wasn't even involved in was, production. Was, did the Tammy show happen to have Debbie Reynolds in it, Carrie Fisher's mother? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of the character Tammy. I think because she played a character named Tammy in several movies, I think. No, I, I might... No, I mean, like, the, it was, like, a, the Beatles, the Beach Boys. Okay. Like, so an actual real uh, James Brown, it was just okay, incredible so real... for, it, for its time. So, like, he yeah. came from the world of music, but he, he lent his name to a turkey and just took the money. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, a cash grab. Yeah, well, I think a, I was reading, too, a lot of people took, took, took this and thought, well, Hey, it's like an annuity. Every year I'm going to get a check. But then they never <laughs> shot, they never aired this again. Yeah. yeah, it was a disaster. Yeah. So let's see, nine minutes of this. We It's just nonsense. Uh, Lumpy's being annoying. Uh, then at one point he goes off on a balcony ledge, which will be integral to the plot later. Of course. I was hoping that Lumpy was going to fall off at that point. 
uh, <laughs> for what it's worth, uh, the, the person in that, in that costume was a 40-year-old female dwarf, if anyone cares. Yeah, you know, from the way she was walking on the ledge, I was like, that's not a little kid. I mean, I knew it was, you know, they probably use a, a stunt double for at least that right. part, but it was, it was pretty obvious it was not a, a child. It, everything's just so bad. This just looked, again, it looked like a 1950s house with a few things, oh, well, this is futuristic. Yeah. No, it's from a long time ago. Uh, uh, then they ba basically they go to Skyping Luke. And yeah. Well, I guess it is some technology that came through. Luke look, did not look like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And isn't the rumor that the car accident that he had like the year before, that's why he was wearing so much makeup and his, his hair yeah. was like, he had bangs and like covering the scars. But I, I've heard like that yeah. was, that's sort of an urban legend that. He did have the car accident, but um, he had gone like on an award show and presented an award before this aired. And, you know, he didn't have like visible scars that would have warranted all the makeup he was wearing. But I I thought that also in The Empire Strikes Back, like when one of the early scenes, he gets uh, clawed in the head with the, by that right. creature, which, yeah. okay, yeah. that should cover to explain why he looks a little different, more uh, yeah. weather, yeah. weather scarred. Although, uh, although I'm going to say, look, Mark Hamill, as, as an older gentleman, not that I'm into other guys, but geez, he's, he's aging pretty damn good as a, se as a senior guy. He looks, the rugged thing yeah. works for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, it, it always helps when you still have a full head of hair. I know. It, it's <laughs> a, a, a pro approaching 50 uh, from the neck up. I feel pretty good for my age. Neck down, it's a, it's a train wreck down there. <laughs> but so be it. But yeah, uh, Luke did not look like Luke. Uh, pounds of makeup, probably like yeah. you said, to cover uh, the facial scarring that likely transpired, but it was bad. And then it was another bad skit where he's trying to fix an engine, R2 screwing everything up. Uh, he says, Mala, come on, smile. I'm sure Chewie will be there for life day. Eh. Right, and, and, right. Uh, I don't know whether we were supposed to be we were supposed to chuckle a bit at R2's antics, I guess so. But then with the background music, the scoring of it, it's supposed to pull at heartstrings. All it did is pull yeah. on a gag reflex for me. That was <laughs> yeah, exactly. awful. Yeah. Uh, where do we go from there? Uh, so then calls Art Carney, playing a character called Sean Dan, a traitor. Uh, did you feel like, Kearney was, I mean, you can see that with Kearney, not so much Corman. Corman was terrible in this, but. Yeah, he was. His timing, like you just see this guy is a pro. Like he made the most of what they gave him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really cannot, for the life of me, figure out why he was cast. Was it to, you know, CBS has always had the reputation of being, you know, appealing to older viewers. So it was sort of like we're give, we're trying to give some you know a little something for everyone kids with the the chewy son character and then Art Carney for like older people who weren't maybe hadn't seen the Star Wars movie, and I have to say society is much more ageist today than it was back then because you would okay. never have like a blockbuster movie that had three major players with gray hair: B. Arthur, Art Carney, and Corman. I mean, you just wouldn't mm -hmm. see that today. I mean, you you. Everything is so youth obsessed now. It just goes to show that that era of, you know, whatever age you are, we, you know, as long as you're still popular, we'll still have you on the air. Unfortunately, that's kind of gone by the wayside. I think it's Bill Maher who said a few times that the only the only acceptable prejudice right now is ageism. Yeah, yeah. And, I, sure. and I think, yeah, I think there is certainly something to that. Yeah, you're right. If they were to try to redo this today, I don't know who they would stunt cast. Right. But yeah. Uh, so we learned that Art Carney's character, I'm just gonna call him Art Carney for the rest of this. I'm not even gonna humor myself with the, with the character name. He's a traitor right. uh, a, and I guess a secret friend of the Rebel Alliance. Yeah. You know, Mala calls and then another, uh, another Skype thing while he's got an Imperial guard, not a guard, Imperial. So somebody works for the Empire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who steals crap. He steals a groomer. Right. right. Okay, and then Art Carney tries to use his, he had great comedic timing, not that anything was funny. Yeah, like you said, he was doing, he's a pro, he was doing the most of 
what they gave him, going doing the most with the material he had. I think also too, like with that one, whoever was playing that guard, I think they dubbed in a voice later. You think so? Well, yeah, it was just this deep voice that just didn't sort of fit this. Okay. And then his back was always to to us, but. Okay, I mean, so they were not? trying to do like the the sort of the James Earl Jones kind of evoke I mean, that I think authority, so. but the actor didn't have the the gravitas. It could be. I, mean, I I don't know for sure. I tried to find that out, and then I didn't look that hard after. It was just I can't be bothered <laughs> with this. Uh, then we get our own cutaway, which it looks like they did uh, probably some old clip that they didn't use for the original Star Wars film of Darth Vader talking to some other officer who I don't remember in the Star Wars film. He yeah. walks by and then says, oh, we, and then a little nod, we'll find these rebels. We have to search every household in the galaxy. Get it? Household? That's what we used yeah. to call it. Yeah. So like, oh, maybe Darth's going to come and knock at our door. Uh-oh. Right, right. Yeah, that was obviously an outtake from Star Wars. They obviously did not film that yeah. specifically for the special. I, I hope, and then, and then they got to figure what. So James Earl Jones cuts that voice in. That's got to be the easiest paycheck he ever made. Oh, yeah. I, it would yeah. have to be. And good yeah. on him for getting it. He's the yeah. only one who was contractually obligated to do that, who didn't have to embarrass himself. Yeah, exactly. Except for maybe yeah. Anthony Daniels. Yeah, true. Who was C3PO. Uh, then we get, God, Mala cooking. Because again, oh we, we've got to keep the, the gender thing going. Uh, so she's cooking, I guess, for Life Day, getting inspiration from, there's a device there so that I guess she can stream her favorite cooking show. And it's Harvey Corman who's trying to do what he can with this, but it's awful. Yeah, he's doing like a space age Julia Childs, obviously. Yeah. It's supposed to be a takeoff on, at least that's how it seemed to me, a takeoff on Julia Childs. It's not funny. Uh, Nothing he's doing is funny except for maybe when he now, so now he, I guess it's she has two extra arms and then just using a whole bit of that. He's making the most of it and it's just not working. Uh, Mala can't can't keep up because of the, because she only has two arms and lumpy's doing dishes. I'm reevaluating life. It's. <laughs> yeah, this, this is one of those things that if it was just like a 30 second skit on yeah. Carol Burnett or something would have been mm. passable, but as a segment of a two hour special, yeah, did not work at all. A complete waste of airtime. Uh, then we go, the, we get back to Han and Chewie, who they, the first time we saw them, they left hyperspace. Right. Well, they're, they're all the, clearly, the Empire is everywhere because they're doing the, right back where they started. Getting, being chased, using yeah. old footage again. I, I, I've seen Star Wars so many times, like I know each time what, which clip this is from. Yeah, <laughs> Nothing exactly. has changed yeah. from it. Yeah. Those, like, Harrison Ford looks like he'd rather be anywhere else in the entire world. And he yes. probably did. Right. He, I, I read he wanted to get out of it, but contractually he was locked in. Okay. And they, they all wanted to get out. None of them wanted to do it. Apparently they wanted uh, Mark Hamill to sing. He got out of that. Well, he, which is interesting since he's a theater guy, right? He's won like, hasn't he won like theater awards for doing musicals? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I know yeah, he's done. Yeah exceptionally well as a voice actor yeah I, I saw an interview with him where he was like bragging about his drama desk award for some musical or something he did so mm-hmm. it's interesting that even he was like well this is so bad I don't even want to sing in this oh, okay when he had been he'd been trying to make the um the transition to theater mm-hmm. all along yeah Mark Hamill's an interesting individual to me uh you know, you're typecast for something. Harrison Ford, I think just because he had that traditional movie star, good looks. Yeah. And kind of had that uh, Gable, Clark Gable, kind of like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn kind of attitude. Yeah. And then just yeah. got good opportunities and made yeah. the most of them. Uh, even his failure in those first few years became a cult classic in Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. That, that was a box office bomb. A lot of people trashed that at the time. But Hamill never escaped it. And then he just went into voice acting and has done so well for himself. 
yeah in that it's like it's one of those things where if you really look at his overall body of work yeah i got typecast yeah i'm a millionaire yeah and i'm doing yeah. and i'm doing a lot of act of voice acting and that's real acting it really is and yeah kudos on him but uh, so anyways, there we got, the, they're, they're going around. There's, we learned that there's a blockade around the Wookiee planet, which isn't a very good one. <laughs> right. Two, two crafts would get there. Uh, and then Art Carney shows up and he's got gifts, all of which would be used later. We never really right. learned why he would be friends with this family, but. You know that again. He's trying to be funny. He's not. Uh, oh God! Here we go. Itchy gets a cartridge, and again, there's this little machine where I guess it's virtual reality. Yeah, exactly. And in a creepy old man moment, as I'm rapidly reaching that point in life, I think some younger viewers, if <laughs> yeah. we have any, yeah. say, "Hey, right. Buckner, you're already there." Just says, uh, "Oh, you're really gonna like it." Woo! And just like. What are we at? Pervert role here at the strip club? This yeah, is... yeah. Which is so confusing. You think of a holiday special as like being like for a quote unquote family audience, like yeah. the whole family, no matter what age you, you are, can tune in. That's why I go back to this was a product of the 70s because it was like, you know, kind of the post sexual revolution and kind of that mindset of, you know, you can have a little like raunchy double entendre. This wasn't even double entendre. It was pretty explicit that it was like softcore yeah. porn that could pass the, the censors. Um, that's what it was yeah and, yeah. and I, I'll okay I'll say this so we go to Itchy's clearly excited and he's got, got this montage of this, you remember as a kid did you ever have like one of those kaleidoscope things yes yeah I had one of those yep all right so it looked like they used that filter and then we see Diane Carroll now Diane Carroll's looking amazing yeah yeah and beautiful woman oh my god uh I could see why Itchy was getting excited I don't know that I would want him in. I, I don't. How do I put this? I had a grandpa who was a pervert. I'll go. I'll say that right now. <laughs> Just some, wow. in some ways, he was a disgusting individual. Was but, he like? Was he like the dirty old man? Just always telling like crude jokes and. He well, he was the dirty old man because he was also a player too. Back when it back when okay. It he okay cheated on his grandmother all the time. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's yeah, it was that boys will be boys era back then right right but you know never did i sort of ever catch him masturbating to a woman in the, the living yeah, room that would have been traumatizing to you right and that's <laughs> kind of what we have here and diane carroll's given this verbiage basically saying like i'm your fantasy i'm here I, i'm here just for you and looking in the camera like she meant it i man she, she was gorgeous now i'm sounding like a dirty old man but no, no, she, she, I mean, she, she was, I mean, beautiful. I mean, sex, she definitely was a sex symbol, but the reason why I find this segment the most problematic is because I'm all for diversity, obviously as an African-American, but mm -hmm. the only black person in the two hour special is a black woman. You're hypersexualizing basically a, you know, an object. A, yeah. A, a porn star. I mean, this was mm -hmm. obviously meant to be softcore porn. And I think of Diane Carroll as being a real class act. So I don't know if this was another case of she signed the contract and then, you know, there was nothing she could do about it once she read the script. So she's like, I just might as well make the most of it and, you know, make, make this old man get off. <laughs> uh, well, well, she might not even know what con context that was being used. Okay, you like- But how can you not know when you're saying you really are excited, aren't you? And I'm your, I mean, come on. You, you have to know as a woman how you're being, and and her and her gown, even though when they showed the full shot, she was wearing a full gown. But I mean, it was, you know, a lot of her chest was showing. It was like off the shoulder. So I don't yeah. I don't know how she could not have known she was being sexualized in that way. I'm not blaming her for I'm just saying she wasn't the first choice, actually. You know who was? Who? Cher. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Cher was obviously really hot at that time. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, hot in the sense of <laughs> popular. You could, no, you could say, well, in both ways. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, I guess it's just personal preference. I don't see Cher and Diane Carroll as being equal. I see Diane Carroll as way more sex, way more of a sex mm -hmm. symbol and Cher is more of a, um, I don't know, personality. 
who can be sexy at times, but is not, you know, not not the level of ba 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 boom of Diane Carroll. But that's just my personal opinion. Okay, see, so I'm gonna so I'm gonna sort of like do this from like the geeky white point of view. Okay. So as a little kid, right? So you're seeing Cher, and then she was married to Sonny Bono. I was like, what the hell? How did that? Yeah. How did you pull that off? And then you yeah, see, see Tony Tennille and the goofy captain. Yeah. Like, well, shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow up because I was I'm only five eight, right? But I was always the shortest kid in class. I figure, well, I'm gonna be a short nerd. I'm screwed. Well, maybe I'm not. Okay, so I I can get a, I can get a babe too if if Sonny Bono, and if the captain yeah. can do it, then I can too. Okay. I mean, I and look at, yeah, look at those two clowns. Yeah, yeah. Actually, who was who was a Diane Carroll? With. She was married to Vic Damone. Vic Damone. Wasn't she also with Sidney Poitier? But wasn't there somebody in between where it just doesn't Yeah, fit? she she and Sidney Poitier had like a, an affair. I don't think it was like a public, but they oh, she later, okay. they both acknowledged it in, in their autobiographies. Okay. But yeah, but not to blow smoke, but you're, you're, don't compare yourself to Sonny Bono or the captain. <laughs> you're not, you're not, yeah, you're way above those trolls. So. Well, well, well. <laughs> Thank you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, well they, they did a lot better than I did in terms of, uh, not in terms of who I, I, I have a great wife, but in, term, in terms of their bank account, I'm sure they blow me away. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the music thing. It was like that women love musicians for some reason. Well, it, it's, it's also sort of trans, transfixed it to in, in our cartoons now. Uh, Lois Griffin, Peter Griffin. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's always been that way. These the honeymoon, the honeymooners. I mean, look at look at that. That's true too. That's very true. Yeah, it's always the schlubby guy and the like beautiful wife, basically. But, but yeah, I, th I think though when they were when they were casting this, I don't think a lot of them were thinking okay, because at that point they weren't thinking well, we have to have at least one minority on this. No, no. I, I don't know if they would have changed the the dialogue one way or the other if it was shared okay. instead of. Diane Carroll. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But yeah. so I, I don't think that was sort of their their messed up rep, you know representation because I don't because yeah. I don't think they looked at that. Just to your point, if we're looking at it in the 1978 eyes, yeah, they weren't thinking in those terms. So yeah. I, I know she was objectified, but I would like to think that the race had nothing to do with it. It was just bad writing, and right. they wanted well, to see what like they could get away with. Right, they were going to objectify the actress doing that role, whoever it was, whatever race she was, but they obviously did not have the consciousness to think, oh, now that we have a black woman in this role, we need to change the dialogue so it doesn't look like we're making, you know, making this black woman look like all black women are good for is a, to be a sex object. Well, they, they obviously didn't have that kind of consciousness back then. Or they might've been thinking the opposite, thinking, well, look, here's a black woman. Look how, look how progressive we are. She's sexy to yeah. everybody. Including yeah, an old rookie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there was actually something later on that I, I, I want to get your take on, on the end of it, because it just sort of felt a bit appropriating. And maybe I'm just looking okay. at it, you woke eye. Not that I consider myself woke, but we're so inundated yeah. with, with wokeness. Yeah, looking I, at I it through 21st century eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then we go there, then we finally get C3PO and Leia. Princess Leia is working on, I don't know what she's working on. Uh, Looks like she's she's an old school accountant with what's on her desk. And exactly, look like an adding machine. Yeah, it looked like one of those. And yeah. so then they they and she says, "Hey, is uh, anyone there?" No. You know, calls Mala like, uh, "Like, where's Han? Where's Chewie?" No one's there. And then basically, she kind of brushes off Mala. Says, "Okay, well, is there anyone there I could talk to?" <laughs> Do I understand? Right. And then they're and then oh, here's Art Kearney. Oh, you'll take care of my friends, right? Yeah, I trust you. I've never met you before in my life. Right. All right. Worked out, but. Yeah, but I have to say Art Carney didn't seem like the greatest, like you're, you're, you're trusting this guy who like, obviously he's not like a buff, you know, um, soldier or something. Why does, why does she think this guy is going to protect these huge Wookiees? This little chubby older man is going to protect these Wookiees from the Imperial forces. I don't, I don't really. <laughs> it doesn't compute as like no no what, what, what's he gonna do do bad one-liners which he did yeah 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 which he did mm -hmm. i guess he was like his purpose was to distract him he was the distraction 
but then they, but then they're just trying to make her feel good like mala it's going to be okay da, 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 you know the doting wife yeah and then they hear a ship like oh it must be them and it's not it's two stormtroopers and two officers oh no right. what will happen right right uh then they're looking around everything they open up something looks like a, some box they found in a prop department which is i guess one of the gifts that was yeah. given by uh art carney and it's just a hologram oh so see, before we get there i mean they're all looking for this so i hear that there's there i understand that there's two adult like a three adult wookies and a child like you don't have their names there was yeah. no census done here on Kashyyyk. Nothing. Yeah, this is the empire, and you don't have the names and everything else of the people who live in every household. Yeah, we're we're just happy. Okay, well, just we're Wookies. Well, where's the other one? Well, maybe. Right. Yeah. Anyways, our Kearney opens up a box, and it's a hologram, and it's Jefferson's starship. Who suck. They this this song is awful. Although if you ever listen to uh, Miracles, that's that's a very good song by them. Other than that, this okay. was completely pointless. I hated it. Yeah, and it was it was just that again trying to throw everything in the blender. Like okay, we'll get we'll get rock fans. We'll get fans of like older showbiz type music. So yeah, it was just again just so uneven and so disjointed. Well, the Imperial Guard loved it. He was he was just enthralled by watching this music video. This was like the best thing that he ever saw. And he didn't have to work. Yeah. Like, like everyone's sort of searching the house. He just gets to slack off. Just sort right, of like watch right. this. Uh, then, then they're looking for clues. All the, then, they, then they go to the cartoon. A lot, of, a lot of Star Wars fans, from what I've been reading, they think this is the best part of it. I don't know why, other than the fact it introduced Boba Fett. But I thought the animation was terrible. Yeah, especially like Han's face, like with the like really elongated chin and the well, way C-3PO kept like moving and yeah, it was it was really weird yeah, the animation. Right. Well, C-3PO and R2D2, I mean, they're they're robots. They're made of metal. It's the yeah. most flexible metal I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. C-3PO had a neck had a neck that was just stick it on period period on time. Right, right. Uh, Luke's eyes were giant. Leia's eyes were ginormous, and Han had no eyes at all. Yeah, his eyes were like slits. Apparently, Lucas loved it, but the whole point really? of this was to introduce Boba Fett, which they did. I didn't think this was particularly good, and the, 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 the Boba Fett turns out to befriend them only to capture them later, blah, blah, blah. Chewie knew all yeah, along because he smelled. That was yeah. the punchline. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, it was totally obvious that Boba Fett was going to betray them. But they did, they did accomplish that. I think if you're watching that for the first time in 78, you might think, well, I want to see more of this character. So they did accomplish that, that goal. Yeah. I sure as hell didn't want to see any more of these animators, but they apparently impressed Lucas so much that they were the ones who worked on uh, Saturday morning cartoons for them later. So okay. the, the droids and Ewoks, that was a cartoon in the 80s. That was them. Okay. And their animation you, got better. Right, right. Do you but, think that, though, people knew that Boba Fett was going to be in Empire Strikes Back? Because there seemed to be no threads connecting, like, you know, teasing, this is what's coming up in the, in the, ne in the next Star Wars movie. It was just like a lot of random stuff thrown together. No, uh, Lucas did, because okay. that was part of the pre-production, but, but that wasn't... If you were just watching this as a standalone, you wouldn't know that. Exactly. Yeah. So it just seemed like a lost opportunity. I mean, mm -hmm. to not, to not. I mean, as brilliant as the people, who, Lucas and the other people who made Star Wars seem to be at marketing, it just seemed like there was no, you know, either subtle or blatant. Yeah. Like, okay, this is what's coming up in the next installment. This is why we're showing you this. Uh. Well, now we move back to the to the house. Uh, they're ransacking Lumpy's room, wrecking everything. Now, if you didn't know they were bad guys, well, you know now because they're making a little Wookiee sad. And yeah. then... They make them clean up their mess that they tore his yeah. room apart. It's like, I'm and sure then, there's then go says a team the of kid, rebels. Uh, go clean up your room. <laughs> well, <laughs> that little kid's got a plan because he just happened to get a gift from Art Carney that allows him to do to create a transmitter, 
which we have Harvey Corman again, trying to do a bit as an Android. It's again, not funny. It just fails. This is probably the least funny thing Harvey Corman's ever done. Yeah, and you know what's weird is when he did the cooking segment, he had on makeup that made him look like a robot. But in this, he had nothing to make him look like he wasn't a human. It was like, why not even put like silver paint on his face or something? Because it was like when he starts acting glitchy like an android, it's like, it, it took me a while to realize, oh, he's playing an android. It was just, it was just weird. Well, they didn't even get, they didn't even have him act glitchy. They just sort of like did very bad, like, well, which was good at the yeah. time. Yeah, well, not yeah. really. So yeah, with just sort of like be a, like one second, one second off. I actually wrote my notes here. Uh, some of the people, some of the writers had actually worked with, like for the Wookiee dialogue, they were working with, I can't, I, there's two names I haven't heard in 25 years. There used to be a mime act called Shields and Yarnell. I remember them, yeah. Yeah, and so they, they would work for them. Well, why not get one of them to sort of like play that? They could yeah, probably yeah, exactly. do it without the shitty editing. It would have been just yeah. as bad. Yeah, you might have and they could have had someone dub. They could have had. They could have even had Corman dub the voice in if they wanted to just use Harvey Corman in all these segments that they used him in. But Shields and Ariana, one of them would have been brilliant. That would have been a a great uh, '70s pop culture reference. Not that I, not that I'm a fan of mimes in any capacity, but <laughs> I'm sure they could have got him. Yeah, uh, and it probably would have cost them less than some guy trying to figure out editing. Yeah. Because at that point, that was probably cutting edge for them. Yeah. Well, he puts this crap together. Oh, can't. And we're, we're then. Yeah. And then a required viewing pop up. It's, I guess it's like a pop up that just shows up on your TV and you don't have a choice. And it's Life on Tatooine. Why this is required viewing for anyone at this point, I don't know. And it's just a clip. We just go to the bar which is supposed to be the Moss Eisley uh, space or cantina. Did you ever, have, like when you, ever, when you were a kid, did you get all those, those toys? I got some of them, yeah. Yeah, the one I, I, did. One I always wanted the most was the cantina set, but I never did get it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that one. Yeah. As so a Millennium look, Falcon. But. I cry, oh, I destroyed that so quickly. <laughs> did you really? Oh God, yeah, <laughs> I just, I tried, to, I tried to see if it would fly off the roof. Yeah, it didn't work out too good. Anyway. Didn't go into warp speed, huh? No, it didn't go into warp speed. Went to the pool. The neighbor's <laughs> pool. Oh, no. Yeah, the neighbors didn't like that, but oh, well. So this another bad set. And then we see B. Arthur. And I read that B. Arthur didn't even know what this was. She didn't know what Star Wars was. No. It's, wow. she was, but she, she was happy to sing. Yeah, because she came out of theater as well, right? Yeah, apparently she was, uh, she played Mame. Okay. And Mame in, in that, on Broadway at one point. Maude had just gone off the air that spring. So she was, okay. Maude was a huge hit for CBS. Yeah, Everyone, part of that Norman Lear franchise. Yeah. So this was a, a pretty big star. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at, a, at a decent point in her career. So I think I think for the way I understood it, they got her because she because she could sing because as long as she could sing, I don't think she can sing particularly well, but she got the right song for it. But the, again, we have Harvey Corman again, who is smitten with B. Arthur. We get two bad jokes from it: one that he drinks from the from a hole in his head, and yeah. this, uh, and then before the second joke, th there was another thing that wouldn't pass the Me Too censors now where he's clearly spit, smitten with B. Arthur and then he grabs her from behind and he's so happy. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you can't really do that now, nor should you. No. You've done that then. Right. Yeah. No personal space issues. And then he said, basically it was, it was a come back soon, I'll be waiting. That was the joke. And then he thought, well, that meant she was interested in me. And then she, he sees her say that to another patron. Oh, poor. and that was the end of Harvey Foreman's trifecta of shit. Yeah, <laughs> way to put it. Looked like uh, Rick Baker, who was the, the guy who did a lot of the costumes before, like the renowned makeup artist who won piles of Academy mm -hmm. Awards, was here. Mm -hmm. I think they used a lot of the, the old things because still the Warless Man, Greedo, Hammerhead, a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. It was so yeah. hot, apparently, they had to take off the mask all the time and give them oxygen. Some of these people were fainting on set. 
wow. It was, it was just another mess of them not having all the stuff ready. Culminates into, actually, no, it doesn't culminate in that yet. Their video thing says, oh, now everything, they've got a video thing from the Empire. Well, now there's a blockade or something, or no, curfew on Tatooine. Yeah, which was weird watching this in, you know, yeah. post COVID, well, hopefully post COVID, about a, a lockdown. Yeah. And then the whole song is about her getting the, all the characters in the bar to try to leave. And it worked. I mean, the, if I if I saw her, B. Arthur singing, I'd leave a room too. <laughs> because I know she yeah. loves it, but I don't think she's particularly good at it. But this no, was the right song not. for her. It right. kind of was felt, felt like, like the melody of these were the days, my friend, I thought they'd never end. And it was just yeah, singing yeah. like, you can't, it's time to go. And then it worked. They're all singing. She bought a round on the house. I don't know how that bar makes any money. Yeah, and then it sort of had the melody of the tune they were playing in the cantina in Star Wars. Yeah, and she leads a conga line and then they all left. Even after one of them put a gun into her belly, they, they treat her like crap. But, you know, if you, sing with, with, if you sing with a bunch of creatures, then that works. Yeah. All right. Then we return to, well, what do we have? Oh yeah, back back there. Lumpy's machine works, fake some kind, I don't know how, I don't know, it's, it was a transmitter, but it didn't say how it could change people's voices, but I guess it could. So it says, okay, return to base, and they did, except for left one stormtrooper behind. Luckily for everyone, it was the dumbest stormtrooper. <laughs> right. He stays behind, uh, what do we got here? Stormtrooper goes up, upstairs realizes oh my god lumpy tricked me and then mm -hmm. a very lame chase scene happened between somebody who's probably never said okay just put on that suit and just didn't know how to wear it chasing yeah. a dwarf in a costume who couldn't go very fast downstairs this is the worst chase scene since anything steven seagal's done in the last 20 years yeah yeah it's one well, it's 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 like a horror movie chase scene where the oh. you know the zombie has to go at like you know take one pace every hour, you know, when the, obviously the victim can easily get away. But and then yeah. it gets and then it gets worse. Scene. Lumpy runs outside and, and right. stormtroopers there, and then out, out comes Chewbacca. Chewbacca go runs sort of he sidesteps the stormtrooper to protect his kid. Like your goddamn Chewbacca, boom. You could have just like cut yeah. the head and that would have been it. Just to let did they even, did, they even, hmm? did they even show Han and Chewbacca arriving or was it just like they- No, they just, they just showed up, yeah. you know, cause that yeah, little blockade that also Art Carney got through. So, I mean, like what kind of blockade is this? Right, right. So he shows, so then there's Han and then knocks the gun away and then he then the stormtrooper trips over the gun what is this benny hill and then falls yeah. falls down the falls down the tree house and then he dies yeah. that way presumably like what you, you can you can show diane carroll trying to give someone pleasure but you can't show a you can't show exactly. a blast or even just exactly physically no the stormtrooper had to do yeah. it himself because he's a and i'm sure i'm sure wonder woman and the incredible hawk had scenes where they were fighting and throwing people around so i don't know why they I wouldn't have had it in the Star Wars holiday special. I'm sure Hulk did. Uh, I don't remember, like Wonder Woman. I just remembered, you know, as I look back at some of those old clips, I mean, now you can't get away with casting someone like her only because she, uh, what's her name? Damn it. Linda Carter. Thank you. Uh, only because Linda Carter clearly has no athletic skills. Yeah. Because even when she tries <laughs> to twirl, it's like, you know, there's a little shimmy to it. She can't do it. Like if she yeah, can't twirl, yeah. I can't believe that you could kick someone's ass. Right, right. You know, it's they weren't going for athletic Wonder Woman. They were going for a beauty pageant Wonder Woman. And it worked. Yeah. And, and the, it, it certainly sat there, but then we have the word, then we have another lame moment here. Hom, oh yeah. Hom, ham solo. Han solo. Lumpy, you sure have grown. Oh, I can't stay for life day. Some friend you are, because you showed up later. So like what? You couldn't have just stuck around for a little bit? Yeah, that made no sense. Uh, then I stopped writing notes because I was just, again, reevaluating life and then wondering why I wasn't drinking 
more than I usually. <laughs> and the whole life day thing was really bizarre and very psychedelic. And it's like when they finally showed the gathering of the Wookiees in their robes, okay, how did Princess Leia and C-3PO and the whole gang get there? Because it looked like the Wookiees were going through some kind of space portal to get there. And you didn't see anyone else in the, in the lineup of people walking through the space portal. Did you ever see Logan's Run? I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. I almost felt like they were using the robes from that movie. And apparently they were running out of money. So they just used the robes so that all the extra Wookiees. Okay. You didn't have to like put them all in fur costumes. Okay. Okay. So like that was like a weird plot device just to get out of the fact they were out of cash. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very weird. It made it look like they were going to do some kind of sacrifice. Maybe they were. Maybe they get sacrificed. <laughs> yeah, it's life day. So we sacrifice one life for yours. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> very Aztec like. So. Right. Then they all showed up, even though none of them said they were going to show up. You know, at any point in time, there's there's three PO. They're all there. I don't ever, except for Han. I don't remember anyone saying I was going to the planet to celebrate this day. And then Leia makes it all about her. It says, "No, it doesn't matter that we're not looking. It matters what we all are." Kind of makes me think of these like white liberals posting something for Juneteenth. That's yeah, kind of exactly. where I was going for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was yeah. I see that for sure which I'm sure that was certainly not what they were thinking, but if a Wookiee can't talk and you're not using subtitles, I guess you need someone else to explain it. Yeah, it's like basically yes. they're portraying, yeah, they're, they're portraying the Wookiees as like an indigenous tribe. So here you have this privileged mm -hmm. white woman, like you said, appropriating yeah. their culture. She has to be the one to sing the song because no, we don't want to hear a Wookiee singing, but- Probably don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, we probably don't yeah, want yeah. that at all. <laughs> Allegedly, she was promised that she could sing. Okay. And okay. so someone said that's why she agreed to do it, but contractually she had to. But I guess she, from putting it all together, I guess she was less upset about it. Uh, Carrie Fisher, I think the person in many ways was a national treasure. Mm -hmm. As an actress in Star Wars, I thought she was actual shit. Really? Even the yeah. original? Even the original. Wow. Uh, and, and got better in Empire. And it got better in Return of the Jedi. But she even acknowledges, because I, I took my parents for their 50th anniversary to see uh, Carrie Fisher. Uh, what her, that's when she was doing a one-man show. We were living oh, in Toronto, yeah, yeah. My wife and I took, yeah. took her to that. And even she said that she was terrible. And she referenced the fact that I can't unhear it every time I see it. And it's so true then. During the first part of that film, she was talking as if she was British. Yes. And, Wasn't she going to the Royal Academy or something at that time? And I think probably, I, I don't know. Or maybe there was also a bunch of, well, a lot of British stage actors that they got to, to round out the role. Right. And I think that's sort of like, sometimes there's like good stereotypes. I don't know if there's any stereotypes that's good, but I always think that if I hear a British accent, I almost automatically assume they're much smarter than me. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. there are, they, weirdly, they're much better at doing American accents than Americans are at doing <laughs> British accents. And, but I don't blame, but looking back, I don't blame Carrie for that. I blame George Lucas, who I think is yeah. a great visionary, but a shitty director in many ways. Yeah. She, she, didn't she, she say that? In, didn't she, I know she, I've, I've seen interviews with her where she was like, she would ask for direction or whatever. Yeah. And he would just, well, just, just do it like you did it before in the, in the, in the last take. Yeah. Like he would give absolutely no direction. Yeah. What he envisioned was incredible. And, uh, and American Graffiti, uh, if, if, I don't know if you've seen that one. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. I, I think, yeah, I think that's great. I think that's, I think he did a phenomenal job there, but then he got suckered. Not, I don't want to say suckered. He went so far into a fantasy world that I don't know that he could necessarily direct people anymore. Yeah. And I agree. that sort of shows to me where he let Carrie go off and like, how do you not catch this? That she sounds completely different at the beginning I don't know, but, it, but I, I, th I thought she got much better. And I love Carrie Fisher. Uh, I, uh -huh. I love her to pieces. Didn't love her in this, didn't love her at all. But yeah, so then they're, they're singing. Chewie's got a montage in his head of just everything that happened. I don't. That was, yeah, that was like a highlight was. reel from start. That was, that yeah. was another wasted opportunity. It's like they could have been, I guess they hadn't done any filming yet on uh, Empire, but no, why haven't. not show? 
why not use that as an opportunity to show what's coming up in the in the next movie? Instead, they do a highlight reel from a movie that everybody's already seen at that point. So it was a just, lot of people might not have. You don't you don't think you, do well, you think it was still playing in theaters in by seventy eight? Yeah, because, because I remember again. I don't know how this was elsewhere, but I know that again. We're talking right before the video era. True. So true. I'm trying to remember when we started going into video stores. And I think that was like in the early mid eighties, I want to say, or maybe even before that, but still like it wasn't, you weren't going to catch that on video. And I don't think it was even released on video yet. So if you didn't see it in the theater and then it would be, it got re-released, you know, period, period, like, like every year. I remember they would put it back in the theater. So there was probably a lot of people who never saw it. That's true. You know, especially maybe if you're like out in the, out the boonies where there is no movie theater. That's yeah. And I do remember even even before they would re-release a movie, movies would play for months and months because there were yeah. fewer releases back then. Yeah. So I, I don't think at that point it's Lucas too, from what I read, he was busy on pre-production. So there okay. was nothing that he could possibly do. I guess his contribution was getting get this cartoon in and there's Boba. Okay. But again, fantasy world, fantasy brilliant other things not so much yeah or, but he also didn't care he walked away from it you know like that's so who's fault I, I think we should sort of play this then it goes to the end credit so i want to play a game here with you mm-hmm. whose fault is this my opinion is it's george lucas's fault because it's your baby if you're too busy on pre-production then unless you know unless they're giving you just a mountain of cash that you're going to use for you know the next movie or whatever i don't i don't see any purpose the movie was already a blockbuster mm-hmm. uh you know if you're not there to oversee things this is what happens when when your vision is kind of taken and made a made a monstrosity of so i i would put the, the fault on george lucas's shoulders because it was his vision and he, like you said he walked away from it yeah. what, what, uh, what, are, what are your thoughts uh half of that yeah he's half my, my blame the other half is just cbs itself i mean they allowed this they they allowed a runaway train to happen you know and they i think they thought well it's we've got this name it's a star wars name everyone's going to want to watch this and right. surprisingly because 13 million that's that's a bad number for what i would have thought you know you looking back they, at this, once once the cbs execs saw it they didn't promote it do you think that or do you think viewers kind of sense this is going to be crap and uh, i don't want I, my star wars experience ruined i think uh, from what i could see they did promote it but there's only so much thing you can promote back then you're promoting yeah. like on your on, on your tv you're doing that i saw i found like ads like the, like um in newspapers so they're promoting it people were writing about it i wonder if it like made the cover of tv guy that week i don't know i don't know uh, i i I'm sure they did promote, I'm not sure if they promoted it or not, but maybe when you're just seeing something like this starring, hey, it's Star Wars, co-starring B. Arthur, it's like, eh? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you might figure like, what, what does mod have to do with this? And that might've been something that people said, well, you know what, I'll catch the next one. True. Apparently, and I was reading where people were doing reviews of it at the time and then oral histories and, People just turned off, turned it off partway through. Back then, I don't know how the Nielsen boxes worked. So they, I don't think they could necessarily determine like from 15 minute intervals. Right. They probably 13 million tune in. I wonder how many tuned out. Good point. Like how many watched it all the way through? Probably, like, I don't imagine a whole lot. I think if you're, especially when you're doing such a, you can't come up with a worse open. And Lucas, as much as I sort of bragged on it, bragged on him a bit those each each of those uh those original movies that those 30 minute act ones are brilliant yeah and all three of them they're 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 fantastic and this is the exact opposite nine minutes of wookie dialogue of wookie dialogue and it's just homemaking that's it yeah exactly so yeah i don't know how we're gonna bottom this because i can't say top this for next week (laughs) (laughs) but we will uh 
For those who want to see more of Chris, uh, Chris, uh, tell everyone about the documentary that you've done, if you can. Yeah, so Lady Wrestler, the amazing untold story of African-American women in the ring, uh, profiles Black women who integrated pro wrestling in the 50s, uh, Ethel Johnson, who was a WWE Hall of Fame inductee this year, uh, her sisters, Babs Wingo and Marva Scott, and also features an interview with Rona, Ramona Isbell, another trailblazer. So that's on Amazon Prime Video right now. Yeah, and uh, you, don't you don't have to be a wrestling fan to really understand what, uh, what Chris has put together. It's, not, it's about wrestling, but it, it's about so much more. Yeah, it's yeah. I I definitely approached it from the Black history angle. I mean, it's it's Black history. It's, I mean, first of all, it's American history, but it's Black history. It's women's history. It's sports history. It's you know a snapshot of America in the '50s and how phenomenal these women were when a lot of women weren't even working outside the home, let alone traveling all around the world. You know, taking mm -hmm. on opponents of all different races. And a bit of self promotion here. Uh... Looks, I'm hoping that, but in a couple of weeks, I'll have something available on Amazon. Uh, a ghost wrote for the late, great Chavo Guerrero Sr. And hopefully awesome. his, uh, his book will be coming out. I'm just finishing up some details on that now in terms of how that, how you put the book together. I'm learning so much about this. I'm never going to write a book for a wrestler ever again in my life. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm glad I did it. And that I'm glad that she cool. finally see the light of day, sadly, four years after he passed. But I'm really excited about that. With that, we ask everyone to stay safe. And we've got a lot more content from us at NotHallOfFame.com. Bye, everybody. <laughs>